I wanted to give you the intro here. We have one of the nicest in the game out of New Orleans, Louisiana. Of course, he goes by the name of Pell, one of the most underrated in the game. He's a true MC. You got to check out his newest project, of course, man. I've, I listened to it. I was tapped in. The bars and content is there, but we've known this for years. How does it feel that you're finally starting to get a, a little more praise that's long overdue? Yeah, I mean, it's not even like I feel like I'm getting a little bit more. It just feels like it's, it's consistent. I know where to find the love. Like, I feel like um, in terms of like underrated people always who, who think that they're underrated or, or in terms of with themselves, I feel like that's something that personally, like I don't feel as much anymore. I feel like there's people who really, really love my music and really show up at everything that I do. And then there's some that may not be hip to it yet, but they always get there. You know what I mean? So I think it's all about like, it's, it's on the goal of uh, those who, say that i'm underrated or not i'm not just talking to you but i'm yeah, just saying, I, know. <laughs> I know right we coming out the gate but um uh like any of my fans and stuff it's like you know they always tell me that like you're underrated man it's go crazy people should know more and more but it's like honestly like just show people the music and it won't feel like that anymore like i think yeah. that it's, it's all about just spreading the love spreading the music and that's the thing with record labels nowadays is that there's so many talented artists that, in which we have to label underrated because you guys don't get the praise that's due because of the power of these record companies that push their own agendas. And it's great to see creatives such as yourself that push through it all and still get that spotlight and build their own fan bases. Yeah. No, I agree, man. Um, it's a blessing to be here, too. Yeah, yeah. man. No, I appreciate it. I heard radio sports about with DJ Mad Max, of course. Mad Max Radio Live 365. We're here. I appreciate the jersey and the hat. Like, you're doing a lot. Right now, I got the L.A. cap. I'm like, right, look, let me go find my cap real quick. Um, you know, it's, it's for Louisiana today. Oh, that's of course. That's why, I had, that's why I had to put it on. I usually, whoever I'm interviewing, if they're from a, a place where they have a sports team that I have, I'll throw the jersey and hat on. Max, <laughs> did you watch the game last night? I, mean, I did. It, they, played, they played great. Winston... I, I'm going to tell you right now, Winston, the, the hate that that guy got years ago was just unnecessary because he's lighting it up down there in New Orleans. Yeah, I feel like you can't be judged on what you did as a kid. I mean, some people, you know, unfortunately, like once you turn 18, whatever, people want to, you know, judge you as as an adult, not just in the court of law, but in yeah. the court of public opinion. And sometimes people got to grow up, man. You got to give people time to grow instead of remembering the worst that they did and pinning that against them their whole entire career because this man is showing like we love him i'm gonna be yeah. real i'm not speaking on behalf of everybody but the majority of us love that man he's doing his thing so shout out to james yeah shout out to him he's he's putting it on for you guys down there and it took over well right as in a transition for breeze because everyone thought that as soon as breeze retired oh here we go they thought oh now was going to be our terrible period but winston's fit in well so and and I love the offense too. Like I mean, it's just always. And I mean, honestly, this year <laughs> defense is incredible. But like I think the fact that we have a good system always has benefited us. Even when we've seen, you know, when Breeze went out, you know, last time it was, you know, um, we had somebody step in and and Teddy is <laughs> shout out to Teddy. I mean, I wish I wish things could have worked out where he could have still been. You know. Anyway, we love Jamie. Yeah. yeah. But, I, I, that's like pointed to the fact that we could do it in multiple ways. And I think that Jameis is uh, the new way. So I'm he is. how are you feeling about this newest project though? Floating while dreaming too. This is your follow up to the one that released in 2014, man. I think it's long overdue. I think I, there were a lot of projects that I, I thought were floating while dreaming too. And then it got to the point where I was finishing and I was like, nah, this is something new. It doesn't feel like how it felt when I was making that. And just the amount of life that I've been living over the time, 
the past two years in terms of when Gravity came out and now when Floating Wild Dreaming 2 is coming out, I feel like the the amount of effort that I put in, the amount of uh, focus I had and just the amount of life that I lived in between the two projects felt way more impactful than the time that I had put in even in the past like four years from like Floating Wild Dreaming 2 to like Gravity or anything like that or like two years, you know, I mean, um, uh, yeah, five years actually that would be. So I think um, it was just a lot of time to reflect and that's how I felt floating while dreaming. The original one came about, um, was one through lucid dreaming. Um, I was a big fan of the Richard Linklater film, um, waking life that I mentioned that all the time. And that was a big inspiration in that first album, just trying to make something that was a little bit trippier sonically and also something that, you know, was a little bit more whimsical, if you will. If, and it did its thing. Um, but, but with the stories kind of, you know, being relatable and down to earth with, you know, a middle-class black kid dropping out of college, you know, um, it's like the college dropout part too. Um, but like, for real though, it's like, you it know, is. something that's relatable to kids that, you know, I always say this and this is something my homies always joke about, like that don't get lineups or like, you know, that don't get uh, haircuts and shit like that. Like for the kids who, the black kids that, you know, exist other than, uh, or can't be in, put in a box, you know? Um, and typecast or stereotyped. And I feel like that's always what my music was about and still is to this day. So Floating Wild Dreaming 2 is definitely an extension of that in a way where um, I feel more focused than I've ever been, you know? Um, and I feel very connected to the music. It's very vulnerable, you know? I, I want to get into your background influences because I know that you come from a music background family. Your mother was in the opera, I believe. She was a singer. Yeah, my mother was, she, okay, so she was an opera singer in college. She was actually very, very dope. Shout out to Southern Miss to the top university. Um, and she still got it too, which is crazy. <laughs> like, very, you know, she sings in the choir. Uh, she should be leading that bitch by now, but um, <laughs> I'm sorry if I curse. It's, oh, no, you're free to curse. <laughs> oh, good, good. It's Twitch. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah, show yeah. for show. Sure. But uh, yeah, she did her thing. And then my pops, um, like asked to be like one of the earliest cash money CPAs or some crazy shit. He's like super good with math and numbers, also a bunch of other stuff. Um, and he tried to start his own record label named after my brother, but named it backwards. My brother's name is Micah. So it was called Team Records. I think they put out like one thing. Um, I don't know. <laughs> like Which, one, they put out a single. They, they put, put out, out a single. Can people check this out anywhere? Just in case there's I people don't interested. Think so if if somebody can find it, please let me know. I yeah. I don't I don't even have anything from him, so I don't. <laughs> yeah, we definitely got to check that out, especially one of your fans if they're listening. Please go check that that out and let Pell know, please. <laughs> no, please. Oh, your background influences besides your family and you played instruments in your early life as well. I want to know who some of the favorite rappers that you listened to growing up because it, you kind of mentioned something before as just getting out of that stereotypical box that yeah. artists are put in, especially black artists. And you look at artists such as the 80s, you know, after I actually just mentioned your, your, your top influences first, but then I'll get into what I was going to ask you. Okay. Um, my top musical influences, I'd say Stevie is definitely up there. Um, now Kendrick, I say, because uh, throughout the course of his career, I just like kept following and continue to get inspired. 
uh, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, Kanye West, of course. Um, I'd say Vampire Weekend, Fleet Foxes, Death Cab for Cutie, um, uh, Justin Timberlake, Pharrell, mm. of course, um, Kid Cudi, of course. Um, I think there's also some. How would I say? I think I like. I like NERD as a whole too, because like even when I mention Pharrell, I feel like what I love most is like the NERD records. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that was huge for me. Um, I like the stuff that they did with Kenna. Kenna was like I used to blast like New Sacred Cow like all the time. Like that Vampire Weekend were like in constant rotation. Then Fleet Foxes when I got a little bit more emotional. Um, I like that Death Cab emotional. Um, I'd say the first concert I ever went to was an NSYNC concert. So like, really, it didn't really influence my music like mm-hmm. that, but I saw how, how big you could take it. Um, and just like in terms of sonically, like that was probably their best record that, you know, no strings attached to her. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, stuff like that. It's all over the place, bro. <laughs> Did you think at that moment when seeing NSYNC in concert that eventually you would be performing in, in front of dozens of crowds? Oh, hell no. Nah. No. <laughs> I was like, you know what's crazy? Like, that night was ruined for me. I feel like something, like, I feel like we had to leave early from that night, and I can't remember whether somebody didn't have a pass or a ticket. I, I went with my brother. My brother took me to that concert um, and two of his friends, but I think somebody didn't have a, a pass or something, so we only went in for, like, half or, like, 20 minutes of it and left. I'm not sure, so. Um, but I was super young, so I was probably, like, seven or, like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so you're, you're a little too young to remember to see, you know, thinking, hey, maybe I may be on that stage someday. But eventually it uh, did happen. <laughs> it did. It did. What probably inspired me to, like, hit the stage like that mm-hmm. was a J. Cole concert. I was a junior in high school and my brother uh, went to Hampton University and they were doing a show at the Quad or I can't remember what they call it. The, it's like their... Um, I'm calling it the Quad, but I don't know what they call it. Is it uh, their spring concert? It's the, it might have been. Yeah, I think yeah. it was their spring concert. So I, it was there and it was, um, check out this lineup though. It was like Ryan Leslie, J. Cole, and then like, it's an R&B singer. I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but I, I really, I don't even remember her performance as much as Ryan Leslie. I was a big fan because, you know, actually he's an influence as well. Yeah. He used to do those YouTube videos where he was just making a beats and it was going crazy. And like, uh, he uh, definitely inspired me. But, that show, um, J. Cole, that was the first time I had ever heard his music, too. So, like, I think uh, the the warm-up had just... It was dropped. the war- So, this is his mixtape, J. Cole era. Yeah. So, like, the warm-up had just dropped. He had just signed. And, like, he mentioned that while he was rapping. And I was just like, damn. I knew none of the songs. I was just like, I got to listen to this immediately. And so, like, afterwards, like... I jammed that like all the time that like the whole time I was at Hampton and then uh, for that trip to visit my brother. And then um, when I went back home, like got inspired to like produce as well and stuff like that. So he definitely um, was a big inspiration for me, like hitting the stage because I saw how somebody could rock a crowd for real. That was probably the first time I saw somebody like really rock a crowd. And I've been to a lot of Essence Fests, you know what I mean? And seeing like uh, Yay and I'd seen... Uh, Beyonce, but I've never seen like the 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 level of intimacy that was in that venue. I feel like made it more tangible. Like you know what I mean, made me see something different. So it was cool. J. Cole, another one, another one of the great MCs out here. 
I was actually going to run the sideline story because I was like, was this during sideline story? And you said the warm up. That's crazy. That's even more crazier because I never have heard any performances during his mixtape era. But usually when you first come out the gate, that's where you're at your hungriest. And I'm not surprised that he was able to rock the crowd at that time. For real. And the story was just beginning. I think like the fact that he had just gotten signed during that time, I think like was just it was definitely something that he mentioned to the crowd. But even like me, you know, at 16 and 17 here and now, I'm like, what the hell, man? Come on, let's go. Like, you know, and he had gone to college. Everything is just like, it was it was very on path for uh, what I wanted to do. So it was cool. And during your time, you know, in college, did you pursue any talent showcases while on the campus? Because I know when I, during my time in college, I knew a lot of the rappers on campus, most of them, and they would always get involved in those talent showcases. And that, it, it really, I think in college is when you determine that you want to choose rap as your career. And that's what I know for most of the artists at St. John's when I attended there last year and uh, my previous four years before I graduated, that this was the path that they were going to choose. Was it in college where you really found your footing and there are people that were big supporters of you and to, to start going into this career? For sure, man. Yeah. Um, I think that that was... That was definitely, I met my peers, like, and I met all the people that I worked with, like, when I first came up during college. I think it was a, a breeding ground for me to think for myself for the first time in a different way, and then also um, fall in love with music in, in, a, in, a, in a hungry way. Like, nothing was stopping me. Like, I felt like, you know, in high school, I kind of tinkered with it and shit like that. I never really felt like I was as focused on it. And then once I, once I hit sophomore year of college, I realized I started doing shows and started, um, we built a collective called TFG, um, that feel good, which was me and my brothers. And, um, we really had the campus on lock for real. Like you can ask anybody, like, come on, 2010 through 2014, who held it down? Come on. You know, <laughs> for real. I'm, it's, I believe it. I, this up. I can't make this up. No, you, you so, can't. I can't, I can't. I no. mean, Google it. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. I know. And, and you're I'm here, Facebook, you know, you're Facebook, hell. <laughs> Facebook it. Yeah, Facebook it. Um, so we we did that and I think that really just my mind was most people, you know, go to college to find a job. Um, other people like myself go there to create their own. And I feel like it was that time when I realized I could create my own. Mm -hmm. So um that's when everything hit in the hyperdrive. Um, had a homie um, helping with beats, homie helping with management. Everybody just started working on their own stuff, but we all came together for TFG things, my own things, and everybody just, you know, steel sharp and steel. So everybody was winning off one another. College is probably the most important place to network early in your career too. That's a, that it, people don't realize people sleep on it because they're too busy, you know, doing the nonsense in their dorms when they could be out networking. Facts. I mean, we did a lot of nonsense. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and be like, man, every night it was five beats a week for three summers. No, I was literally like partying halfway through it. I think I think the, the focus that I'm talking about is like when it comes to vision. Right. Like, I think there's those times where, you know, what you need to do. And that may not be like, you know, locking yourself away and not network or like you know, not partying, I mean, and stuff like that. That's another way to network, you know what I mean? Like by sharing those moments and having those things now that I can talk about um, that I wouldn't had I just locked myself away, just focused on one side of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And you did. But most importantly, I want to talk about your move from the whole thing that happened with Katrina. Um, 
Yeah, so that move was very I think that move I didn't know how pivotal it was when I when I was younger. I was 13, yeah. so I felt like I was just excited to leave home. It felt like vacation at first, right? And then mm-hmm. on top of that, I was able to be a new kid at a new school again. So I felt like that was that was really cool to me because I was gonna have that opportunity. You know, a lot of times you don't have that op to like uh, now that I'm older, I'd probably call it like rebrand yourself, right? But like, <laughs> I think I had an opportunity to actually um, just be different and kind of classify myself as an artist. I was kind of a class clown, to be honest. Like both of those things together. And um, I threw parties in high school, like, you know, like things like that. Like I felt like I I wouldn't have done if I was in New Orleans because I, I felt like I was in New Orleans I was more sports centered, like centered. I played baseball. I was really fucking good at baseball. I did. Um, I did research that. <laughs> hey, hey, you better ask about. But for real, I was good at baseball. I did baseball when I when I went to Mississippi. I like dropped that and basically started playing sports that I didn't play before, like uh, soccer and like football intensely, uh, and then you know stuff like that. But I think the move overall was good because my mom is from Vicksburg, Mississippi, so I moved to Madison. And all I had with me was this beat machine that my pops had got me, uh, a Korg beat machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was how I first started learning how to make beats. I didn't even know I was making beats at the time, but like I was really just, uh, it was like a memory in a bank. And you, I didn't know how to really save a full beat or like structure it out, but I would just make loops and I would call it a song. It would just be a whole loop that like, I have 12 little pads that I could build it off of and then that's it. And it was cool. So uh, that's how I got like my start in like caring about that side of music. I already played trombone since since fourth grade. Mm -hmm. So like I played trombone for like 10 years and, you know. You consider playing trombone further though. I do. But I also like, it's crazy. I got, uh, it's in the other room, but I got like a guitar keys. I'm trying to always do things for more of the production side than like playing live side. But I think I'm going to do my main goal probably in 2022 and um, now that I've finished this project is like in terms of the live element, like playing as many things live as possible because I've been in the studio long enough cooking up shit. That is just time for me to, uh, you know, use these things on stage. Mm-hmm. Could we get a, does this mean we could get a live album from you? A oh, complete definitely. live album. Oh, instead of just, Yeah. We, we getting a live album. Yeah, I, 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 I got it. <laughs> Even if it's a live EP, because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about two different ways where I want to do it. You know, I think I could do every song for sure. But the way that I'm going to manipulate all these songs, I feel like I just want to get to the meat of what I would call even a um, a condensed version of the record. And then that would be the live version. It's a live performance, not necessarily track by track. You feel me? Mm-hmm. I think you could do that, though, because you you hear the instruments and you care about production. That's something that a lot of rappers don't really care about nowadays. They just throw the 808s on and it's the same beats over and over and over again. Trust me. <laughs> uh, but you care about the production side of it. And that's important. Would you say that for any artist starting out? Because it's obvious that you did with making your own beats. You think every artist should do that instead of just relying on a producer. So they can get the feel. I feel as though you have to find your sound. And that's what you did. Yeah, I feel like it's not even about just like producing. I think it's about like, finding your sound is just finding what you like and sticking to it and like what fits with you. You know what I mean? Like, I think one of the greatest examples of, examples of that when I first was listening to this like rap was definitely Jay-Z. 
every beat was impeccable. Like, you know what I mean? His beat selection was crazy. And then you have the opposite where it's like Wayne will rap on anything, but it's like it he's just so dope that it doesn't he's the GOAT. It does not matter. Excuse me for not mentioning earlier in terms of influence. Damn. Wayne, one of the goats, you know what I'm saying? Like the goat. Um, I think that you have that you you have two different types of artists in that, but one thing that we'll always remember about their classics is the it's the beat, man. The beat gotta be jamming and it don't matter if you make it, it don't matter if your boy make it, it don't matter if somebody that you met on SoundCloud used to be SoundClick, used to be whatever. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. YouTube, you know what I mean? Like I think that you gotta find where the sauce is and that'll help drive the the record forward. Otherwise you could dr- drop an acapella, you know what I mean? I think um, it doesn't matter who's making it as long as you know what what sounds good as long as you got the ear mm-hmm. you got that right 2014 we got to get into your first release of floating while dreaming the first one this was one of the top independent artist releases that year this is what really i think set let's the talk about it yeah. <laughs> talk about you it gotta give you flowers for that because about it. think about all these artists and think about 2014 the game wasn't as complex as it was. Look at it now, all the artists that are trying to get on through social media. Then it, right. it was just basically starting and you did it. Facts. And I don't even think, what's crazy about it too is like, I still don't think that I was, I was teetering on like the side of just like more of the DSPs than just the social media. If you want to count like DSPs as social media, because there is a way that you can mm-hmm. share music through these DSPs and stuff like that. I consider myself on that side of the socials because at the end of the day, like even now we're talking about how more complex it is. And I'm gonna go back to like just the the genesis of like the floating while dreaming stuff. But like, I don't really interact and I, I'm getting better now with social media like that. Like I feel like uh, it's all, all the, my biggest followings are on social, like are on music platforms. Like, you know, it's more than Instagram and Twitter. Exactly. exactly. Because people are listening to the music. It's not, I'm not selling, you know, just a persona. I'm selling like real life or I'm really, you know, getting to the music. And I feel like that's, that's something that uh, has always worked for me. And in 2014, you, you think about, you know, social media being more on the infancy side or whatever there in terms of artistry. And you see that, all the the spots where where music hubs were on the internet that's where i was thriving so i feel like that's that it's it's for the musical the musically curious you know what i mean and i feel like that's why floating while dreaming did so well because the sound is so expansive it's just like wait where is this coming from new orleans mississippi where where is this coming from you know what I mean? it's, it's it's like it was confusing to a lot of listeners that you know we're used to the hub still like i think atlanta was booming in its own way definitely in the mixtape scene new orleans shout out to currency um but i think that was more isolated right and then you have uh um new york having this period chicago um there were a lot of uh, bigger cities i feel like that had had a lot of little like bubbles going on that created movements whereas like new orleans at that time um didn't have as much of a stronghold on the same channels Mm -hmm. so i think one of the things that helped me with floating while dreaming was definitely like people sharing it on these uh, on spotify like being playlisted like crazy like before we even knew the importance of that you know what i mean and things like that it's it's, just, it's beautiful that it happened the way that it should but um as far as the music side i think that was 
that was one of my most like vivid moments in my life in terms of the times in which I created that album. Um, a lot of trips to LA for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to, you know, shout out to Lior Cohen, shout out to, you know, 300. They, they, uh, sponsored my first trips out to, out to LA. That's right. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't do the deal, but I definitely, uh, met all the right people that I was supposed to meet. And through that, you know, we networked our way around and I feel like, uh, the, the things that I already had in my head, the things that I was already creating in Mississippi at the time, were finally getting, you know, the, the right channels involved. So I think, uh, that was, that was really, really inspiring for me. And I remember sleeping on my homie's couch for sure on, uh, one of my homies from, shout out to Brandon from, uh, Alabama. I was, uh, well, he's from Atlanta, but, uh, mm-hmm. we, we linked up in Alabama and, um, we uh yeah just went to work when i was was i was, when i was in la i just went to work every day just you know working nonstop. and then when i would come home i, I worked at subway still subway at the airport so never forget those days shout out to mr carlton thank you for the job for real you know i fuck with it um <laughs> it, was, it was a crazy time man like yeah. it, you know I, i'll never forget the day that i finally like I think I went through the terminal in which I worked at the subway and it was just like, you know, my coworkers were like, Oh shit. I don't think I got a sandwich that day, but like, I definitely, I definitely was like, yo, Hey, you see me, I'm not coming back. Yeah. That actually happened. So it's cool. Yeah. No, but your experience is just with this album and just, and I think you made your way out to New York too. Yeah. A lot, uh, for that project for sure. Um, I definitely connected a lot of the dots on uh, the PR side. Shout out to Greg at Big Hassle. Um, just a lot of dots aligned, man. I can't, it, I'm just, I'm blessed that a lot of dots coll- uh, like aligned and stars collided, whatever the fuck, to make um, a beautiful storm. And, um, you know, it worked. It did. Can you believe that in 2014 with this floating while dreaming that the music scene would just change as much as it did to the point where, you're creating all kinds of sounds on this project. It's your sound to where the point now it's everyone sounds the same. It's all one trend and that's what sells and Instagram and all these social media platforms. TikTok has become the selling point for these companies to the point where they're, they're not looking for creativity. They're looking at the numbers. I kind of want your thoughts on that being someone that was successful based off of the creativity standpoint. Right. So that's why it makes my situation, um, a little bit like difficult to explain uh sometimes when you know a younger artist will ask me you know how how should i approach this and maybe their music does sound a little bit more like everything that's out there um they're going they have different goals than me i think that it, it all relies on what your goals are i feel like if you're playing a label system game if you're playing a game of you know trying to get those big big numbers um then you should play to what audiences are listening to. You know what I mean? I think if if that's your goal from the beginning, I think that there, as as for me personally, I'm not, I'm a fan of making music and making music as therapy and making money off that music. True, but my my main goal, where maybe it used to be just reach, is you know um, understanding and also consistency of product. So like I'm just a fan of like making sure that it's authentically me 
24-7 because that's going to keep the people that actually really fuck with my music back in 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 rotation. Every time that I drop something, they're, they're supporting it. Every time I drop hats, you know what I mean? Uh, shirts and whatever, you know what I mean? They're supporting me, so I don't need to, you know, play into the game the same way that, you know, I may have thought I had to when I first started. Even though I was still making stuff that was authentically mine, I mean, the, the voices in your ear that tell you, like, you got to make this type of record, this type of record, that those fade away because now, you know, seven years later from Floating While Dreaming, um, I'm still, you know, right under a million listeners on Spotify or, like, you know, monthly listeners, I mean, but, like, you know, millions of streams on songs, you know, we just did Juice, we just did Falling Apart, all these things with Apple commercials, you know, I was just in Tom and Jerry, uh, you know, this year, and it, bad trip, you know what yeah. I mean, all things are happening. No, it's just, like, exactly. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter, like, I feel like a lot of people think about it as, like, so linear in terms of, like, there's one path that you have to follow in order to be successful in music and in order to, you know, get recognition. But I don't even think that the numbers, like numbers are so fragmented now that it's, that doesn't even quantify, you know, the, ironically, the numbers don't quantify the, 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 the amount of success that you can have. And I think that every artist should, should pay attention to that because I look at things like for me, one of the, the greatest things for me is touring and a lot of times touring doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to have a million followers. That means that there's going to be, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of people that show up at the shows, you yeah. know, I won't even be able to, to directly say that it correlates, you know what I mean? Cause that's a different type of energy that you would have to put into social media than in your shows. There's some people that look great online. You go yeah. to a show, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> I, I really, like I really don't know. And that's and that's like the reality of it. Or there's somebody who may have a big record who comes down here, doesn't sell out, may have a, like, you know, top 10, top 20, top 50. You know what I mean? And we don't know who, who's that. You know what I mean? And I think you have to understand what your goals are in this. And if your goals are to create that um, long lasting relationship with your fans and people that will get and understand your music then you have to just be consistent with yourself and be honest with yourself every every step along with the process. That doesn't mean that, and when I say honest or like consistent, I don't think that that means accessible because, right, like social media has like created this, um, uh, you know, synergy between those words where I think like people think being consistent online is also being like, it, it, it translates in terms with of the artistry but it doesn't necessarily do that i think you can be consistent in sharing but um i like to be consistent in quality so i think that that's my 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 goal is always uh and when i say quality i mean quality of music yeah so i think that that's always should be the goal as any artist like do that first and you'll have people around you that'll help push it because once you're consistent and people know what they're getting and people know what to to get from you it helps them better explain it to other people it helps them get other people on board then you have a team of people who want to help you maybe directly or just your fans and uh, they all understand you and are a part of that journey people love that you know so and I, and you love it too i love it so um yeah i feel like that's a long-winded way to answer that question but it's important and in what you said the, the quantity the quality over quantity is what i say it's always got to be quality of music over the quantity because of everything that's just being released nowadays, especially with the attention spans of Nats, 
there's all these artists constantly <laughs> releasing <laughs> releasing music and it's insane and it and it it really is just a disservice to artists such as yourself and you're right put these artists on these stages they're not going to perform that the way they act on instagram and they're not going to have the performance skill of a musician an artist a true rapper and we're going to see that put them on the stage at the Apollo. I'm sure they'll get booed off. You know? <laughs> Yo, I performed at the Apollo, bro. How was your Apollo experience? We got to hear about this. Uh, shout out to Tank for uh, bringing me on the road. That was incredible. My Apollo experience was incredible. My pops was there. Um, it was good. I got to, you know, uh, <laughs> rub the stump or whatever. And uh, I got good luck. So uh, the whole the whole night was magical. Um, I love that show. Shout out to my bros who were there with me, Juan and Antwiggity. And uh, it was just, it was a beautiful night. I can't even lie. Um, it's its literally all a blur because I was I, like blacked out when I got on stage. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I definitely remember having the time of my life. So it was dope. Yeah, it, it, I'm sure you're not the only artist that that's happened to because they don't want to they don't want to hear the booze. They want to go out there, perform and then walk womp, off. Womp. No, none of that. None of that happened. No womp womps. No. None of that. Of course. No, say, leave that to the mumble rappers. But <laughs> I love mumble rap, too. I'm, most of my songs start off as mumbles. I start with melodies and mumbles. Then I write. No, but your music is different, though. You know what I mean? You, you wouldn't be on the show if it wasn't. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Uh, yeah, too much. That's my favorite one. Hey, because like it, it. it it's bars. Hey, man, you know I had to do one of them. I had to do one of them. Uh, I I like I like playing with you know, um, my flow and also like you know making sure that motherfuckers know I I, I ain't lost or half stepped with any of these bars. But I think you know some songs it's more important to do that than others. And too much was that for me. Like, you know, it's Mr. Edgar Allan Poe. Like, you know, shit like that. Mm -hmm. I was going to bring up the Edgar Allan Poe I, rhyme. What was your favorite Edgar Allan Poe book growing up? Or more precisely, yeah. poem? You know what's funny? I don't even really think that I liked his poetry when I was growing up because uh, it spooked me the fuck out. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I really, like, I wasn't on that wave. I wasn't like, oh, this is deep. I was more like, yo, this guy is sick. Let me, uh, I mean... Go Robert Frost. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, I don't think that I was really, I think that's more, that was more just the bar from like uh, the idea of the other side, which is, you know, we from New Orleans, we be drinking. But, uh, I think, you know, he, he, he was an innocent bystander in that line. Mm -hmm. It's, he's definitely one of the greatest, but he had a mind of his own and writing all that horror stuff. Facts. Crazy. Flight, that visual is insane too. Flight, I like that one. Oh, thank you, thank you. That, you know, I I really love that video. I just think that is so different in terms of like the idea of doing a one take. And I'm a big fan of one takes. I mean, I did one other one uh, for Bitch Ass off my last project, and off of Gravity. And um, I really enjoy the the how everything has to be right. You know what I mean? Shot wise and performance wise. And it and I love the idea of performance. You know what I mean? It's 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 very raw in that way. And I think that that's one thing that I really was looking forward to that. And I was, in, you know, inspired by multiple things. But uh, Michelle Gondry um, was definitely a big inspiration on that one because uh, of this video that he did with Metronomy. That mm -hmm. was like um, it's love letters. It's like basically like similar in terms of the way that you're circling 
uh, a live performance going on but I feel like we we added in terms of like these cool little graphics going in between where, where we're like crossing and also we we're running me and Dave are actually like running back and forth between them which is hilarious it, it looks like it's edited that we're like always there I was it literally in a box running left and right to like make sure I'm back on in the scene back back in the frame back in the frame like it, it and it was funny like you if if the actual sounds were on there you would just laugh your ass off because like all the time it was just like you hear griffin who's the director shout out to griffin i love griffin griffin to stefano um and huey just like all right now back 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 and like you just like hear like you know just directions it's fucking hilarious i love it see we don't realize what goes on behind these music videos but <laughs> it's a lot more complicated than people think <sighs> let's talk about it they built they built those uh so they built the boards. It was, I think it was like a total of eight boards um, that were connected to make those windows for us to walk around and also for the camera to shoot around. And um, shout out to Tyler for doing that. Um, she's excellent. And everybody else that worked on those, it was amazing. Yeah, it, music videos are basically short movies. That's all they are. Unless you, you don't put any effort into them and you just get a car and a model and a stack of cash. Fast. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta get more. They gotta get more creative with, with the music videos. They're not doing that either. But yeah, you're, you're you're keeping that up at least. Got to. I gotta try something different. I feel like that. This was like probably my most performative music video, just in the way that it was shot alone. But also like the fact that it was, you know, a circular mo like motion. It wasn't. There weren't cuts to different scenes. It was one take, and I love that. Like nobody does that to me. Like right now, I feel like, you know, there are a few, but I think overall in the rap game is it's pretty rare so yeah i like that is flight the one that's doing the most numbers right now amongst the fans definitely yeah right and then i could tell <laughs> we just dropped we just dropped the live video for so cold so people love that shout out to my brother yeah Peter. i was Ooh. gonna bring that up too it's um, that's that, one hell of a performance woo -woo. i love that song i love like just the idea of where my vocal range can go in terms of like not necessarily like hitting notes i'm talking about my tone and i love how i sound on that record and it feels like something that's for me and um i love tapping into the r&b side of things so everybody is has been hitting me up about that one as well and i think like third people love uh ring 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 so that one's that one's pretty crazy because like I dropped the project and then the day after Hurricane Ida came through Louisiana and, you know, um, ring, ring, ring is talking about like, it's like hurricane after hurricane is raining in New Orleans, like all that. Mm -hmm. It's talking about, you know, um, how New Orleans is like one of those romantic cities that keeps calling you back. But like, for me, it's all about the vices that like, you know, keep calling me back to the city. And I wrote that before I actually moved back. So oh. it was, it, it made it even more powerful to me because there's always been something calling me back to New Orleans. And uh, the biggest thing as of late was, you know, to start the the global warming um, project. And uh, we've been, we've been kicking it up. Every I am one. Volume one. The fact that you put this collective together, it shows how selfless that you are because you want to take pride in putting a collective together. We don't get that anymore. That's another thing that you bring to the game. Yo, appreciate it, man. Like 
I think that it's always, I think there's people that do it, but I think that people are nervous about where they are in their own careers to be able to give a leg up when they can. And I don't, I don't agree with that. Sometimes I understand why some people do it. I think it's like when you operate out of like, you know, uh, desperation, Mm -hmm. which this game is, uh, you got to hustle. Like, you know what I mean? And I think you can hustle and still operate with abundance, but that's just me. But when you act out of like desperation, sometimes it can be like, why would I give this type of look? Or why would I spend time that's not directly affecting what I'm doing or like my uh, attention, the attention on me? You know what I mean? Like, I think that not everybody can, is, is able to do that because they see things a little differently based on their come up or where they're from and and in the way that i've been you know coming up and the way that i've came up is through love so i think that i want to be a mirror of that to everybody that shows it to me and i think basically that's what this whole project is these artists aren't that random there's some people that i met through this project um that now i'm friends with but overall 90 percent of the project is made with people that i've collaborated with several times and that i believe in their craft and they've helped me you know what I mean? It's not, it's not like as simple as like I'm giving them a look or I'm starting a collective or anything like that. These people helped me. And then it was just like, it was about time that some of these people were brought to the forefront of what I do. So I think that that's what this project was for me. But then there's a whole nother reason why it's important to everybody else that's involved. But, you know, that's the selfish reason for me. I'm like, yo, y'all got to see this. Like, you know, but. Now, have you been able to go on tour with the collective because of everything going on right now, global warming, have you been able to go on tour with them with everything with COVID? Well, see, that's the plan. <laughs> I think like right now it's just um, a lot of moving parts because we're so big of a collective right now. I think that we're just seizing the best opportunities. And mainly a lot of those have been ironically in the city, in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So with plans to continue making music and to continue doing community-based service as well as like, uh, you know, things that help artists in the city and also creatives in the city at large. I think that that's our main focus. And then when it's time to tour, um, you'll definitely know because it's going to be something big for real. Oh, for sure. I think it's going to put the game on notice. Like I said, the collective is, is unique nowadays and you're a selfless artist and, and that's what we have here with Pell, a selfless artist that wants to put others on, even before himself at times. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, sometimes I'll be like, all right, let me get my shit together. But most of the time, it's all it's all about love. It's all about the people. Mm-hmm. 100%. Being from New Orleans, and we've seen the artist that's been from New Orleans, of course, how come you feel as though that it's not on par? When we don't, we bring up Atlanta, we bring up New York, we bring up LA. How come New Orleans doesn't get that credit? Because there's some legendary artists that come out of New Orleans. Yeah, um, I think we do get that credit. I think I think we do. I think it's like, but that doesn't we get some of the credit, but I don't think that we're compensated the right way. And I don't think that we're able to build things in a in a way that are sustainable here. You know what I mean? I I think we do get some of the credit. I used to think about that, too. Like, man, nobody pays attention. People pay attention. Then they steal. Then they, you know, maybe like, oh, well, this was inspired by da 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 da, but don't give back in a way. So it's like, I don't think that we don't get recognition per se, but I don't think that we get the the direct compensation and the direct um, help to like create um, an infrastructure and economic 
infrastructure for us to stay down here as artists and be able to like record down here i think there's a lot of live performance that works down here um for a lot of different genres obviously it's new orleans street performers you know jazz i feel like uh we have rock we have you know bounce of course like that's the obvious and we have a DJ culture that's starting to like you know heat up a little bit i think i think it's just it's all about creating something that can stand on its own without relying on these big looks you know what i mean i feel like atlanta has a lot of their own scenes i feel like chicago um new york la they're big enough to have a lot of their own scenes you know what i mean but then there's places like um in florida that you see like that are that are popping up too is I'm, I'm just mentioning more of the rap side i guess too that like over the past five years you see all these names popping out and i think that has created a scene there in which like on the recorded side people link up and that's how they're making money together now it's like we got multiple songs together so like when i'm out in la when you're out in la let's perform that or let me introduce you like you know what i mean or you you can come around because we we broke bread together and i feel yeah. like that's that's something that new orleans is capable and always has been capable of doing but i think there were a lot of separate movements um and now there's a certain type of unifying feeling that's in the air that um i like to think i mean global warming started for real but i think um this year and maybe the pandemic has uh leveled the playing field for a lot of people that thought everybody was on you know di different levels so that's what i'm really excited about i think it's the, the narrative is changing and and also the attention that's always been there um, is still there. We just now are producing in a way that um, we're, we're working together to make sure it stays there. Mm -hmm. How would you define your 2021 so far? Because 2020, it was crazy. The pandemic, I read it online that it kind of changed your artistic writing creativity a little bit. And, you know, then George Floyd happened, I believe a few days before your birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that definitely put me, as it did everybody, um, in a, like a specific space where I was torn between pushing a record that I was going to drop right around my birthday, on my birthday, uh, Inhale. Inhale. And, um, you know, supporting... Uh, supporting the protest and also a movement that finally was getting the recognition it deserved it felt like in my mind so i think that that was that was a difficult time for me to feel justified in in just focusing on music even um i was blessed enough to shift my attention for you know i feel like a month to two months and um, you know, eventually went back and circled around in, in you know, July and started uh, promoting again. And I feel like it, it was perfect timing for me again with, with the video that we did with Inhale and also like a, a week of, you know, um, things for mental health, essentially. You know, we had a meditation, we had a workout um, and, and we had like, you know, a therapy session. And I think that there's like, there's a lot of moments that we needed to inhale during that time but like i think that i definitely enjoyed taking somewhat of a break because it definitely strengthened my not only my writing but everything else and you i'm sure you were working on floating while dreaming too as well during that time 
Yeah, that and global warming. I mean, literally, yeah, global warming. Like, we, were, we were really working on global warming. I was I was making songs simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't even know that "Floating While Dreaming" two was like there yet. It was more so I was focused on, you know, doing things for the community because y- you look at you know even that during that era, like we shut down like the I ten people in New Orleans, like the protests were getting amazing. Like I was, oh. I was just so proud of, you know, everybody coming together. And I think that we still have that with within what's happening. I think obviously you've seen people die down a little bit more people since we've been outside and since things are, you know, returning to a sense of normalcy. I think you, you've seen a little bit more of a lackadaisical approach to um, how we're standing up for injustices around the world and especially in our own backyards, but something about, the moment in which all of this was happening was a real eye-opening moment to those who didn't have to deal with these things. So um, I'll always be thankful for that, for, for some eyes being opened. And just think we can all go through a pandemic, be on the same level, and you're still going to have racial injustice committed by the police. Fucking right. Yeah. It's uh, crazy and uh, unbelievable times, but uh, Pelt, could we expect a, a documentary from you? Because I feel as though you have a story to tell, as Biggie would say. I got a story uh, to tell. I got too many stories to tell. <laughs> I got Hey, actually, um, speaking of like docu series, documentaries, um, shout out to Rap Portraits. I did something with my boy Holland um, and Yo from a DJ Booth, mm-hmm. and it is incredible. It's you know, actually, that's where that that little uh, painting is, or that behind guy, you, yeah, behind me. They gave me a big poster of it. Um, rap portraits I'm out there 504 is the the name of that episode and it is it chronicles my time uh during the release the night of and the night the day after um of uh the global warming volume one release so definitely check that out it's on my instagram it's also on rap portraits at rap portraits yeah make, make sure you go check that out but any upcoming work, man? I'm sure you're going to have some. Sheesh. Yeah, too much, man. You uh, can even speak on the Tom and Jerry things, the things that you already did. Talk Apple about commercials. it. We got to get all that come in. Come on. Yo, Apple commercial. Come on, man. Stop playing with me. Yeah. The Apple commercial during the Grammys and the Apple commercial last year and Tom and Jerry this year and Bad Trip this year. Come on, man. Shout out to Kier. Shout out to Joe. Shout out to everybody who, who, who's been a part of the team and has been fucking with what I've been doing. But, you know, like it's been a blessing. This year has been crazy, bro. And then now, you know what I mean? Um, I'm definitely doing more features. So I got a feature coming out this weekend, actually, with Kate Harris. On okay. Friday, yeah. Called Next Spot is really groovy. I can't wait for people to hear that. And then I also got another groovy joint with my boy Austin Mills off his EP that's dropping as well. So it's bit it's it's and then after that I got another one. I don't even know if I can announce fuck that. I think I can announce it. Big Gigantic and I are doing another one. I love them. They're my brothers. I just crushed Red Rocks with them. That shit was fire. And then um, you know, you'll you'll see me. Um, we got a couple more show announcements, but the main thing is I'm I'm releasing. Uh, a lot of new features. And then after that, I got something special for everybody um, from their project. So I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. Hey, we just heard all the news here and you're off to amazing things. <laughs> but, <laughs> we got to get into, I read online, G-Eazy. Whoa. Yeah. What about G? How is it working with him? Because he's a legend from the Bay. 
that yo, he's incredible. Um, just shout out to that man's tenacity and hustle. I feel like he's one of those people that people don't see how hard he works. Um, I just I learned a lot from him from touring with him just that short amount of time. Uh, as to how big you can take this shit, because definitely he's doing it crazy, and also just the the amount of you know repetition and consistency on a day to day level. I think he's one of the best at that. Um, and I, a lot of people can't see that. You know what I mean? I feel like it's it's not something some people, you know, give access in, to that or like, this is what I do every single day or whatever. But no, he doesn't do that. You just see it in the proof of the work and the fans uh, that love his music. Definitely, I feel like are in tune with how much he puts of himself um, towards his craft and towards his business. For real, the business is A1, for real. What do you love most about your fans, the Pell fans? Oh, Los Pelicanos? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what they're called. Okay. Well, somebody created an Instagram page called that, and then they just had a bunch of my stuff on it. So that's what I'm, I'm calling it right now. But my, I love my fans. My fans are really um, – I feel like a lot of my friends uh, – my fa- they are. My fans are like my friends. They're very introspective, very thoughtful about um, just life in general. I think I get a lot of, like, heady – um messages where like it'll be like even poetic about how they talk about my music or even um just like really cathartic to something that they've gone through in their lives like I had somebody tell me that like my music helped them beat cancer I've had like which like damn near made me cry I've had people tell me you know got over an ex listening to my music uh their mother died and it got them through that time. But um, a lot of tough times, I feel like my music has gotten people through and it's gotten me through too. So I think that my fans are a lot like me and in looking at music as therapy. So I really enjoy that. I really like the relationship I have with my fans because it's one that's like, maybe they are not always the most vocal as I would want them to be. But I know that they're internalizing what I say and um, are getting something from it that's actually beneficial. And that makes me feel better than anything for real. And it's because you can relate to so many people. And that's why it's important for people to support you and especially your fans, because your music is important, especially in this day and age. Come on, man. It's healing music, bro. It's healing music. That's what it is, man. I tell people that all the time about Floating While Dreaming. They're like, what kind of music? I mean, like, it's just healing music. You listen, you know, you listen to Silly Phone. Like, I love that record because you can't listen to that record and not turn it off feeling happier. Like, I feel like you got to, there's got to be some some type of, you know, frequency in the game that allows people to feel good. You know what I mean? I think that there's there's a lot of good music, but a lot of it has heartbreaker bitterness in it and i love those too like i need that in my shit too because that's real life that's what we all go through but sometimes you need to change the frequency up a bit and i think uh that's that's what i'm here to do for real and he's for surely putting on for new orleans for sure pal is there anything else you would love to let your fans know the audience the listeners tuned in floating while dreaming 2 is available on all platforms you gotta go check out global warming volume one of course anything else uh, more new music and uh, the gang is, is 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 all here. Global warming is about to go crazy. Uh, volume one, like you said, is out now. Floating while dreaming two is out now. Uh, at Pell, yeah, on all my social platforms. 
uh, follow me and see what I do next because uh, it only gets bigger and it only gets better. Love. Got that right. You, they got to follow you on Instagram and Twitter at Pell Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> you can't forget that. And like my TikTok. Well, no, I'm not on my TikTok yet. But if you want to just like look at my page, it's at Pell Yeah FR. Pell Yeah fucking right. You know what I'm saying? Pell Yeah FR. So um, check me out on there too. I'm going to start posting stuff again. It's about that time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure your fans are going to be tuned in with what you got going there as well. But, Pell, I want to thank you for coming on the show here tonight, man. Listen, you're always welcome on anytime you need any promo. Thank you. Float while dreaming too in the rotation for you. I'm going to get global warming in the rotation for you as well. Oh, thank yeah. you, my brother. Yeah. Of course, man. You know, anytime, anytime you want to come on and, and chop it up about whatever you got coming on, you know, you're always welcome, man. Of course. Thank you, Mad Max. Let's wrap after this too. No doubt. <laughs> you already know. All right, brother.